All right, um, good morning, Mr. Sindombi, uh, Ben. Um, can we just check and make sure everybody gets in? Um, and then
Looking very smart, Chen. <laughs> Morning, Bennett. How are you? I'm feeling a bit hot, actually. I'm about to take this coat off just now. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, my apologies about yesterday. I did uh, miss you, and thank you, Babu Somio, for holding the fort. Uh, and thanks a lot, uh, <clears throat> colleagues. Um, good morning, Chairman. Good morning, DM. Um, colleagues, this Dombi is going to send correspondence to you shortly. Um, she's I finalized this morning that she will receive just now. May explain a few things. Um, uh, maybe if we can deal with our own housekeeping matters at the end um, of the meeting, um, and then I can explain some of the changes to scheduling uh, which have arisen. So I'll humbly request that uh, we deal with that uh, at the end um, of our meeting uh, this morning. Let me take this opportunity, colleagues, to welcome you. We are receiving a briefing uh, this morning from the Department of Employment and Labor, or insofar as the compensation fund is concerned. There's an outstanding presentation that they made on the 24th. We were supposed to make on the 24th of November last year, but we overran with time. So I think we'll start them. And the second point is that, of course, DM, um, we have uh, yet found ourselves with a disclaimed audit outcome with the compensation fund, a situation which is wholly untenable, um, unacceptable, um, and well indicative of a host of issues which we probably will have to deal with. But the fact that um, yet again, um, we have got the, what I can only now call a permanent feature of disclaimed audit outcomes at the compensation fund um, is something which, as far as we are concerned, uh, requires urgent and immediate action, including but not limited to the questions I posed the last time um, when we were meeting on this matter, which <clears throat> I think we will go to again. Um, colleagues, as indicated, I did receive the apology of the minister who is currently in Botswana. Um, so the deputy minister is here in the DG and the uh, commissioner of uh, the compensation fund. So it will do, we'll take the presentation um, and then Mam Dolash will be first off the bat uh, after that uh, to field uh, questions. And then I would also like to welcome the um, Portfolio Committee on Employment and Labor uh, who are joining us this morning. The changes which were discussed and have resulted in us meeting this morning were in agreement with the Portfolio Committee because of the clashes of scheduling amongst others and um, the entities in the department will be now appearing there tomorrow. Uh, so Mamu Dunjwa and your team of the Portfolio Committee, Honorable Colleagues, we would like to welcome you as well um, this morning um, to this Recording meeting. in progress. Um, <clears throat> so, and then Sister Ben, please uh, put um, the apologies as per normal in the um in the, in the apologies register 
and then the minutes, all the minutes over the past few meetings, we'll um, sort those out tonight. But colleagues, so on that note, um, I would like to then hand over, if there's no any other matter, colleagues, are you all fine? We'll hand over to uh, the Deputy Minister, Memloy, and she can make um, preliminary remarks, uh, introductory remarks, and then we will then go straight into uh, the the presentation, which was supposed to have been done on the 24th of November. Um, and then Mamdolasha, you'll be first off the bat uh, after that. So on that note, colleagues, good morning and welcome to our meeting this morning. Deputy Minister, over to you. Thank you so much, uh, honorable members, um, honorable chairperson. Uh, I'm using a phone because uh, we are having a challenge of network. I'm trying to log on, we are unable to do so. My apologies. So the network is might actually from time we might be affected by the network. But uh, uh, good morning, honorable chairperson and honorable members. Uh, of SCOPA and uh, our honorable members of the Portfolio Committee of Employment and Labor who have joined us uh, uh, today. Um, uh, good morning. Um, uh, our DG of Employment and Labor, uh, DG Lamati, the Commissioner of CF, uh, Commissioner Voyo Mafata, and all senior uh, officials who are present uh, today. Good morning. Uh, allow me once again, Honorable Chairperson, um, as you have already alluded to the absence of the Minister owing to the attendance of ARLAC governing body and a meeting of Ministers of Employment and Labour in SADC in Botswana. Uh, Honorable Chairperson, as you have already alluded to, as the Department of Employment and Labour, we are here um, because you have invited uh, one of our entities, uh, once again, the Compensation Fund. You have invited Compensation Fund to the hearing following once again a poor audit uh, outcome uh, of the same entity. Um, a disclaimer which follows a series of other disclaimers. Uh, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members of SCOPA, uh, when we were here before you, when we were before you last year in May, our minister in his overview remarks uh, indicated that he would initiate a, a forensic investigation into the operations of the compensation fund. And at the end of that meeting, Scopa endorsed um, uh, uh, the idea of the forensic investigation and it became one of, of the decisions of that meeting, among others. And looking into compensation fund, uh, we looked at what more could be done to get this entity out of the bed books. And we realized that scratching the surface and papering over the cracks uh, were not helping in anything. Hence, we ended up entertaining the idea of a forensic investigation. And because we could see, uh, we could also see in the horizon that uh, other disclaimers were looming. Uh, this could uh, uh, this we could see because challenges of the compensation fund appears to be deep seated and systemic. And yes, we are here again because compensation fund in 2020-2021 financial year has received yet another disclaimer. As much as we love you all, honourable members of SCOPA, 
Uh, I must say that uh, we do wish that we do not see each other in meetings like this. And, and that uh, is why we went around the clock in ensuring that decisions that we took in our previous interactions uh, were actions how uh, they took longer than anticipated. Another decision um, that came uh, out of our previous interaction, honorable members, is that one of the implementation of the audit action plan. Honorable Chairperson, I must hasten to indicate that these uh, decisions were also taken by the Portfolio Committee on Employment and Labor, who are also uh, keeping us at our toes in terms of uh, demanding progress. Uh, um, um, uh, honorable members, the D our DG, Mr. Lamat, is here. Uh, the, the Commissioner of Compensation Fund is also here. They are the ones who will deal with uh, the granular, uh, granular details in as far as information that you require. And suffice to say that from myself and the Minister, Honorable Members, our attitude is that the digging deeper into compensation fund affairs and those of any other entity of the Department of Employment and Labor uh, that may have more or less uh, similar challenges is our focus and, and, and to this end, we believe that forensic investigation may just provide valuable information that may come handy into eliminating, if not all, perhaps many matters that are unwanted, particular in, particularly in the compensation fund. Uh, our director general has directed, uh, was directed to action the following, and he will provide an update on those actions with the commissioner. Among others, the appointment of forensic investigators, uh, development of an action plan to address the audit disclaimers at the compensation fund, appointment of highly qualified financial and audit professionals to assist the CF finance management in dealing with the historical and current finance and performance reporting. On the basis of our regular monitoring meetings uh, with the DG and the compensation fund, I, it is my understanding, honorable members, that the following have been acted upon. One, the appointment of forensic investigator with the care, uh, with, uh, to carry out uh, investigations into various areas of work in the compensation fund. fund. Uh, the procurement processes were completed in November 2021. And I'm sure you would understand the fact that that the process of procurement takes longer than anticipated. Number two, that the direct general led the process uh, of the development of an action plan in June 2021, which resulted in the adoption of the uh, clean audit action plan. The clean audit action plan, uh, the, uh, the commissioner will elaborate on that. Among the activities in the action plan is the implementation of preventative controls in the management of unlisted investments, uh, which are made through the Public Investment Corporation, a subject which is a recurring audit finding. And I'm sure uh, at some point, honorable members, you would have to uh, discuss this matter separately. Uh, this is what we also uh, uh, thought that the portfolio committee will deal with at some point that we need to call the Deputy Minister of Finance, who is now the chairman uh, of the, the uh, PIC itself, where we are investing. And if you remember that uh, most of the time, our entities require request more often than not an extension of uh, submission of the annual financial statements because the um, uh, financial year end of the PIC is not necessarily in sync with the financial year of government. So I think at some point, this can be a discussion for another meeting and another day. 
uh, honorable members. But among others, uh, as the last point, the appointment of skills uh, resources to close the skills gap identified in the financial management and audit unit of the fund. And these resources have started working at a compensation fund uh, and from end of uh, January 2022. Uh, honorable uh, chairperson and honorable members, uh, we are now on your hands. And as I have already indicated that the, both the DG and the commissioner are here and we'll take it from there. And thank you so much, uh, honorable chairperson, for your audience. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, uh, DM. Uh, on that very happy note of love, uh, it's consistent with the uh, Valentine's this week. Right? Can we, um, and I, I think that the, the pertinent issues that you raise, uh, DM, which of course do require our attention, and I think we got the added advantage of being with the portfolio committee this morning. All right, can we hand over to the compensation fund um, to therefore take us through their presentation um, so that we can proceed? Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Good morning, Chair. Good morning, honorable members. Uh, good morning to DM and the DG, as well as the colleagues that are present in the session today. Uh, can I just check the secretariat? Are you going to fly to the presentation or can I do that from my side? Uh, so you said the hosting rights have already been extended to Mr. Mafata. Okay, thank you, sir. Right. Thank you, Chair. Um, I'll be taking the committee through the um, presentation in terms of the progress that we've made following the process that was led by the DG in June after we appeared before the committee to develop an action plan that was aimed at uh, making sure that we deal with all the root causes of the issues that have been the cause for a disclaimer in the compensation fund for a long time. So this is a progress report as at end of December in terms of the activities that we had uh, carried out. So this is just the layout of the presentation. Uh, I'll just go to the summary. Um, I've indicated that this also then addresses all the work that we have uh, worked through over the last um, six months uh, of the implementation of this current action plan. The legends in the action plan will see the three color codings, uh, green, which would then show any activity that has been completed and we shade a bit lighter for those that have been completed prior to the due dates as well as the activities that uh, are not yet complete. And these are, that's the activities that will be highlighted in red. And these activities then are, were due by the reporting date of the 31st of December, but had not been finalized and completed at that point. So we then select those as red. We also then reflect so that we don't miss any of the activities that are due for, implement, that are due for implementation in the immediate uh, future or in the next quarter or so. So we reflect those then as blue so that we keep track of those activities that are due in the next uh, couple of weeks while we're pursuing those that we have not completed at the reporting date. This slide just shows the summary of the, uh, of the action plan. We had 169 activities across the uh, 11 
areas that we've identified that were forming part of the audit report. And out of these 169 activities, by end of December, we had completed uh, about 138. I'll talk to the details in later slides. And about 31 had not been uh, completed as yet by end of December. And there were 12 that are due in the periods between January to March 2022, which we also then are tracking to make sure that those don't fall or lag behind. Um, so this makes it about 82% of all the activities that we had then planned by end of December, these were then implemented and had been uh, completed. If we start with the first area, the first area is around our revenue and receivables from non-exchange transactions. This is the first area that has uh, been disclaimed by the Auditor General. We had identified about 48 actions here. And out of these 48 actions, we were able to implement about 42 of them. Uh, or 42 of them rather were due by uh, 31st of December, 2021. And as at that date, uh, the indication is that 33 of them had been completed and about nine of them were not yet complete. So 42 of these activities were due for December and only about seven of them were due uh, at uh, some time after the end of uh, December. So 79% of the activities had been uh, completed here. So what are those activities that we had completed? So part of the activities that we identified here was around making sure that the completeness and accuracy of our revenue through the return of earnings that we receive from uh, employers, be it manual as well as electronic, that we make sure that we account for all of these. So we put in place an SOP that uh, was aimed at making sure that any ROE that is received at head office, at the CF head office, as well as in the provinces, we're able to adequately account for it so that at the end of the filing season, we don't have any uh, ROEs that may remain unassessed, thus leading to a instances of incomplete uh, or inaccurate revenue. We also looked at uh, adequate, uh, making sure that there is adequate capacity within our revenue management unit. And part of the activities was related to making sure that we then fill all those posts so that we can eradicate some of the backlogs that uh, existed uh, with regards to employers that have been flagged for audit. These also contributed to some of the um, issues highlighted by the AG as uh, leading to uh, doubts over the completeness of our revenue. We have also um, completed some of the activities where we were automating to deal with issues of segregation, implementing um, system controls as well. So we did a lot of automation of all the ROE processes in the SEP ECC system that we use for reporting our revenue and also strengthening our relationship with the inspection and enforcement services. One of the issues that had been flagged by the AG was the fact that the enforcement of non-complying employers is quite weak. We have then strengthened that the through the inspection and enforcement services, there is a specialized payroll audit unit that has been created in the inspection and enforcement services that focuses solely on enforcing compliance to COIDA. And also we have agreed some deliverables with IES, which have been tracked both at the department level as well as within the compensation fund. We've also looked at uh, working with other organs of state, the CIPC and the URF to verify the information that we receive from employers to make sure that whatever we receive from employers is um, complete and accurate. The issues around classification of employers, as well as uh, the accounting process around uh, estimation of revenue where employers have not complied. There were uh, doubts also that had been uh, highlighted by the AG over the process of accounting for revenue for estimates or provisions for outstanding 
for claims that uh, for for assessments that have not been uh, submitted. There were some activities that we do uh, that had not been finalized. One was. holistically deal with the return of earnings from point of entry to the point that it reflects on the general ledger. Uh, this then includes also dealing with those items that uh, are provisions for assessments that are not raised. We also wanted to strengthen the process around the issue. Um, colleagues, is it me or have we lost the commissioner? You're not the only one, Chair. We've lost oh. him as well. Yeah, we have lost him. Good morning. Why am I, Mom Yeah, uh, okay, there he's back. I am back, Chair. All right, Chair. Yeah, I'm, can... sure, I'm not sure where I got cut, Chair. Um, but I was just highlighting the. Um, the issues in terms of the areas where we have not completed, the issues around uh, completing the enhancement of the business processes on the return of earnings, and also redesigning some of the accounting processes around uh, the whole revenue split between ROEs that are submitted in current years or ROEs that are submitted in current year in respect of previous uh, financial years. Those are some of the things, the cutoff issues that also led to some of the disclaimers with regards to, uh, to revenue. So this is the process that we're currently busy with, and that's a process that will complete before the end of the financial year because it will also have an impact on the uh, financial statements that we're preparing for the financial year 2021-2022. If I go to the next slide, the next area of focus that uh, we, the action plan is focused on is around benefits, another area that has been disclaimed. There were about 74 actions that uh, we had developed and out of these 74 actions, 66 of these were due uh, by 31st of December, and eight of them were due after uh, 31st of December. Of the 66 that were due in December, about 56 of them were completed, and 10 had not yet been uh, completed. I'll then just speak to the details on the next slide. So some of the activities that we were implementing in this area related to uh, preventative controls uh, on the comp easy system, which is the system that we use to process and pay claims, as well as uh, implementing some supervisory controls that uh, would help us to make sure that uh, where there is SOPs that have put, been put in place, those SOPs are being adhered to. So some of the things that we've been able to do, uh, it's also around subrogation with regards to some of the issues that were raised was that we, where there has been instances of either overpayments as a result of a, either processing error. There wasn't any process to make sure that this is recovered as quick as possible. Um, so we have implemented a subrogation process on, uh, on CompEasy system, which automatically raises any uh, debts where there has been instances of overpayments. And then we recover this from a payment of subsequent invoices where the employer, where the medical service provider still has payments due or a claimant still has payments due. And also we've uh, looked at issues of dealing with the 
uh, preventative controls around some of the invoices that we received from medical providers who had been paid advance payments that were a cause of uh, source of uh, fruitless and wasteful expenditure. That was reported in prior years. We had entered into a settlement agreement with two service providers, and we implemented some preventative controls in the uh, system to make sure that any invoices submitted by these healthcare providers is checked against those invoices that we've offset on the uh, fruitless and useful expenditure. And we can then um, make sure that we only pay for invoices that are due to be paid. Some of the interventions, also the account verification system. In October 2021, we introduced the bank account verification system, which uh, helps us to deal with, uh, to put preventative controls around interception of payments, as well as making payments to, uh, making sure that payments that are made are made to correct uh, beneficiaries. Uh, this system has been in place since October. We did publish a notice in the Government Gazette Currently, we deal with all exceptions are managed uh, once the exceptions have been flagged by the system. The intention uh, was to make sure that we don't pay into any account that doesn't belong to a claimant, be it it's an injured worker or a medical service provider or an employer, as is the current practice with some of the third parties who submit claims on behalf of doctors and then get paid. The, the invoices are paid back to the third parties as opposed to the doctors. So we... Uh, had intentions of uh, enforcing this particular process, but we allowed for a process of comments from the uh, stakeholders before we can then enforce or finalize the enforcement of such uh, rules. We have also uh, embarked on a number of uh, enhancement processes on, uh, on, on, on CompEasy with regards to uh, claims. Uh, these are some of the things related to control limitations on uh, claims where there is no PD or TTD to make sure that such a claim is closed to prevent any fraudsters from reopening a claim and uh, trying to process the claim as if a, public, a permanent disability or a temporary disability had been accepted. We cleaned up our active directory to make sure that only those who are active employees of the Department of Employment and Labor have access to the systems of the compensation fund. And also uh, some of the... Um, clean up activities of medical service providers to make sure that only active medical service providers remain on the system. Any medical service provider who's not active and also is not good in good standing with the, um, with the BHF in terms of paying and submitting the required documentation to be on the practice code numbering system. Those are then uh, deactivated on the compensation fund uh, system. And we've also strengthened, so also improved some of our reporting with regards to capitalized pension values, one of the issues that has been raised by the AG as, uh, as, as, as potentially incomplete. There are some of the things that we were still busy with. Uh, one of the activities was onboarding a new banking service provider. Account verification system is just one of many preventative controls we can use on the banking side to make sure that when we do pay, we pay the right person. There are other tools available. So, the action that we had uh, identified here was to, while we were in the process of going on tender for appointment of a new banking partner, we needed to make sure that we include these in the, in the services that we require from a banking provider. So a tender has been advertised now, and we just waiting for the tender to close so that we can then uh, finalize and make sure that we do the appointments. We anticipate that the appointment will be made uh, by end of March, uh, this financial year so that we can then have a new banking provider at the beginning of the new financial year. 
We also uh, did some audits onto the end-to-end payment processes to check on CompEasy if there is any control gaps that we can close. And uh, we, so far, the controls that we've implemented in CompEasy have found to be, uh, to be adequate. We are doing some enrichments to the pensions data to make sure that we improve the quality and the accuracy of the provisions for claims that we make on our balance sheet at the end of each financial year and also to improve compliance um, issues related to claims, both from the PFMA as well as from a coin point of view. We have a, a developed, and this also is going to help to make sure that everybody knows what their requirements are in terms of compliance to the COIDA. If I move to the to the next slide and just show some of the issues that we have completed, the reconciliations between pensions and uh, payments of pensions. We have uh, implemented some of the data analysis tools with regards to uh, some of the claims uh, and verification also of some of the claims, including the COVID-19 claims on a monthly basis to make sure that we pay claims. There is also some of the, so one of the issues that had been raised by the AG was also that uh, we don't have uh, processes in place to check where pensioners or dependents of pensioners who are over the age of 18 years who may still qualify for pensions or those who may not qualify for pensions any longer. There's no automated process to check this proactively. Uh, We always reacted to um, some of these issues we have implemented and processes in place to make sure that we do have identify any pensioners over the age of 18 years and to check whether any supporting documentation has been submitted to support continuing payments of these dependents' pensions to to the beneficiaries. Um, So these are some of the activities that we then implemented with regards to to benefits. If we look at the provision for outstanding claims, there were about four actions that we had identified to implement. Of these uh, four actions, one of them was due to be implemented by end of December, and the uh, three other activities were then um, to be implemented uh, post the 31st of December. And the main activity that we had identified to finish uh, was the appointment through the claims that have been migrated into CompEasy so that we can then improve the accuracy of and the quality of the provision that we carry on our balance sheet with regard to outstanding claims. Uh, this There has been issues that have always been raised by the AG around the data reserving that the actuaries are using to, um, uh, to deal with the inadequacies that we had in our previous Umeshiko system and the data that came out of that system. Now that we've migrated claims to CompEasy, we then wanted to to do the whole new review of the current provision as it sits on the balance sheet to then update that balance if there is a need for it to be updated so that in future, actuaries don't have to rely on uh, data reserve for uh, inadequacies in the data that we have in our system. So these are subsequent processes that are taking place now in this particular quarter to make sure that um, when the actuaries do provisions for outstanding claims, we use the data that is sitting on the CompEasy system. The fourth item was on the payables from non-exchange transactions. Um, there were about four actions that we had identified. And out of these four of them were due before um, 
all four of them were due before um, 31st of December. And there weren't any actions that were due beyond that because these were easy, quick wins that we could do with regards to payables. Uh, this is claims on the accounting side. So three of them were completed and only one activity had not been finalized by the end of December. The, these uh, accounting processes, one was the issues around reconciliations to make sure that the listings that we do provide to the AG by the end of the financial year would talk to the amounts that we reflecting on the uh, income statement as well as the balance sheet of the compensation fund. So these reconciliations of all control accounts. So this process has been put in place uh, in the CFO's office to make sure that for all control accounts, there is adequate reconciliations supported by listings and relevant listings for for these claims, um, and also the compiling the detailed listing of all is a system as well as the financial statements when we do prepare them at the end of the financial year. We also did a review of all prior misstatements and issues that had been raised by the AG over the last uh, 10 years, and that analysis work was to identify which of the activities would require some uh, accounting work on them, which are some of the intervention, but may require an administrative intervention. So that analysis work has been completed, and there is I'm really I, the network of the commissioner is not helping us. Yeah? I'm back, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Apologies, Chair. We since our sister, we haven't recovered from the CETA downtime that happened uh, on Monday, so we're still having intermittent connection issues uh, this side. I'll just continue. It seems my the network is playing with us here. Can I just continue? Uh, yes, please. I think. Okay. Thanks. Thanks All right. So the so the, the the so the issues around prior period issues. So there is a team that is working with the uh, with the fund to then address uh, these issues once we've done the analysis. Um, the, pro the only activity that we had not completed at the time was the uh, appointment of a data analyst to work through the old claim system. Uh, we still have prior period issues relating to benefits that were paid out of the old SEP ECC system. 
and we needed to do some work to um, to reconcile those back to the financial statements that we had prepared in the past to clear this particular prior period uh, issue. So that's the activity that we were still busy uh, dealing with. Um, see, I'm back, Chair. Um, so the next item relates to the uh, relates to the consolidation of investments in associates. So this is one area where the DM spoke about it earlier around the relationship with the PIC and our inability to submit financial statements on time as a result of the dependencies that we have on the some of the financial information that comes from the investee companies through the, the PIC. So we, in terms of the accounting standards, we then require to to, uh, to recognize some of these uh, unlisted investments as associates in our financial statements. And as a result, there is some information that we need to get from these companies to then incorporate into the financial statements of the fund. Over the last three years, this has been a, a, a major struggle to get this information on time. This is largely due to the fact that most of these companies, their financial year does not align to the financial year of the compensation fund. Uh, in some cases where the financial year has ended, the audit process uh, from the company's act point of view versus the audit process that we uh, are subjected to, the time frame of the audits uh, always differs. They take almost six months to finalize their audits and can only provide us with audited financial statements uh, at some point uh, once we've, while we've already completed our financial statements and we've already completed the audit. So we needed to come up with some of the measures to address these issues. Some of the issues that had been flagged by the AG had been also around the quality of the valuations that performed on these investments, as well as the, um, uh, the so the, so the fact that the performance of these investments often has to be impaired, such that the fund then lose uh, some money in the process. So the activity, so one of the activity that we had finalized here was the revision of the mandate with the PIC to stop investing in uh, these SRI investments until such time that all the reporting and administrative issues with the PIC have been finalized and we can be able to uh, have a process in place that would allow us to get information from these companies on a monthly basis, subjected, subject them to our own um, audit review in the absence of the audited financial statements, and uh, then use this audit review to place reliance uh, on the information that has been given so that we can then finalize our financial statements on time and uh, submit. So part of the activities that we then wanted to do was to then appoint a service provider through the PIC to then do this high level review of the management accounts that we receive from these companies uh, or these investee companies uh, on a quarterly basis. And then we can then use this uh, to submit our financial statements. At the end of December, the appointment process had not been finalized, though uh, the PIC had already provided us with all the information that uh, was needed to finalize this. So we are finalizing the appointments and these companies will then do a high level review in preparation for the financial statements for 2021-2022 of all the management accounts of these investee companies so that we can then use those as opposed to us waiting for the audited financial statements uh, come uh, 31st of March, 2022. And we also uh, wanted them to use the same companies to 
confirm the valuations that would come from the PIC in May. One of the issues that the Auditor General had highlighted in their briefing to the committee and to the minister was that some of these valuations that we come that we get from the PIC are not performed in line with based on financial statements that have been prepared in line with the generally recognized accounting practices which are used in the public sector but rather are based on the um, accounting standards that are used in the private sector so one of the activities that we wanted to do was to take those valuations and the financial statements that were used in the valuations and convert them to grab and then do the valuations on these to compare the valuations between what the PIC provides and what we get. That would either result in either amending the, the valuations as they appear on our financials or confirming that the valuations that have been performed using the other accounting standards does not differ much with um, doesn't differ with those that are prepared in line with the generally recognized accounting practices. In the next slide is the investment in financial assets and associates. We This still continues the same issues related to the PIC. This is around the accounting uh, transactions within the uh, our investments. This now doesn't only talk to uh, list, unlisted investments, but it talks to both listed and unlisted investments. The seven of these actions, uh, all seven were due before the 31st of December. This also was one of those quick wins that we knew that we could complete and finalize this before the end of the financial year. Uh, so five of these were completed and only two of these activities had not been uh, finalized at the end of uh, December. In addition to re revising the investment mandate to, to pause or stop investments in uh, social responsible investments, we also needed to do some internal work. One was to, um, to look at the uh, structure of the investments unit within the compensation fund to look at whether we adequately capacitated to be able to carry on this increased uh, monitoring role that we uh, want to have over the PIC. And this assessment was done. And based on that assessment, we then, are, uh, in addition to the, so the minister has requested that there must be an architecture review of the whole uh, of the compensation fund, its business model and the way that it operates. The long-term solution would then come from that architecture review in terms of providing capacity on the investment side. Then in the interim, we then source that capacity through the uh, appointment of an investment advisory firm that would then add capacity to, to the investment unit uh, in the fund. We also then also to do some monitoring over the performance of the investee companies. We then requested the PIC to provide us with all uh, financial covenants that they've entered into with uh, the SRI investee companies where they have uh, provided not only equity, but also debt funding in the transaction. We have received this and then we then monitoring this uh, on a on a regular basis when PIC reports on a, on a quarterly basis. This helps us to be able to foresee if there is any indicators of
we are left on our own chair. I thought he was coming in. I picked, I thought he was returning. Yeah, this is not conducive, eh? Not productive too, Chair. Yes. It's certainly not a conducive environment for productivity. I'm back, Chair. I'm back, Chair. Okay, let's try one more time. But this is certainly not helpful. I'm almost done, Chair. So I can just I was dealing with investments in associates. So some of the work that we then busy doing here, Chair, is to is to to look at the, the those covenants and monitor them on a monthly basis. And then also we've implemented a monthly management meeting with the PIC to then deal with issues of performance, and so that we don't wait for a quarterly reporting process when they report to management and to the investment uh, committee. Part of the activities that we had not finalized was also to amend the SLA with the PIC. Our intention here was to, uh, the SLAs that we've had with the PIC up now had largely not had any uh, penalties on them, especially in instances where we, PIC is not able to perform uh, according to the mandates that we've set or not able to comply with our reporting requirements. So we have amended the, uh, the SLA and part of the things that we've included is those penalties for non-performance or non-compliance. And the SLA was finalized uh, last year in November. It is sitting that will sign this uh, amended SLA before the end of the current financial year. If I go to the next slide, Chair, the next slide is just on prior period issues. The prior period issues, uh, here also the two activities that we had identified, there were three. Two of them were due in uh, in December, and the other was due beyond the uh, end of December. I've already spoken to the issue around the detailed analysis that we needed to do, as well as uh, working with management to just develop a guideline that will then show, according to those categories that we would have identified what management then needs to do to address those uh, specific issues that is the work that is ongoing now to uh, make sure that without start dealing with those prior period issues. In the next slide is also around contingencies. One of the issues that had been highlighted was the completeness of the contingencies. And this largely relates to the litigation work that the or litigation that the fund gets engaged in as a result of the uh, the, the work that we do. And in the last financial year, in the last two financial years, we've actually been not been able to get uh, adequate confirmations from the, or the AG has not been able to get adequate confirmations from the state attorney when there is um, 
uh, any contingencies that we needed to uh, to disclose, whether is it cases, what is the quantum of those cases, and what is the exposure that the fund is, uh, is facing, as well as confirming some of these. So some of the activities that we had then embarked on was to... Um, So some of these activities was to um, was to look at the legal case management system. We've implemented a legal case management system, we've, which would also enable us to be able to scan and keep electronic records of all legal active legal cases, so that at the time when we have to prepare financial statements, we don't have to be uh, manually looking for information as well so that we can also start confirming doing confirmations with the state attorney ourselves on a regular basis so that at the end of the financial year when the AG does do confirmations in an event that the AG is not able to get those confirmations from the state attorney we can then as an alternative uh, uh, method provide them with the uh, confirmations that we have obtained from the uh, state attorney ourselves we also then enhance the legal case management to be able to scan so that we have supporting documentation for each of the items that we have on our registers. Uh, we also wanted to do, so one of the issues that had been raised under contingencies was also around the, the reconciliation between the, so when a person, when we approve a pension for a claimant, we then expected to provide for the future values of these pensions over the life of the pensioner. And when we do report these on the balance sheet, we then need to show what is the current portion of these future pensions and what is the long-term portion that is beyond the... Um. Uh, I don't know, colleagues, this is just, this is not good. Uh, It's gone again. Yeah, no, it's not good at all, Chair. That's why we need Parliament. Thank you, Because I don't know, I don't know how we proceed with this. Uh... We'll need the uh, physical meetings, Chair. Yeah. I, I, uh... Colleagues, not only that, I think the, the, the DG should have put a plan in case this happens. Because this always happens because the network, you cannot really know whether you're going to have it. Hence, a contingency plan should have been put in place so that some of, of the teachers' team can quickly come in and complete the, 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 the presentation. I don't think Jay, we are being taken in serious here. I foresee a similar situation happening when questions are posed and yeah. response will be expected. We'll 
be faced with a situation where one get the essence of the response. Even throughout the entire presentation, some of the key and critical dates and issues that he was highlighting, we kept on um, uh, getting cut and not hearing the, the, the detailed presentation. Okay. So I, I'm not sure whether it will be a productive or useful exercise to continue if there's no contingency, as Umam Dolash is saying. Perhaps the commissioner, uh, I'm sure the, they work as a collective. They are well aware of the issues. So anyone who's in a position to continue from a stable network position can do that. Otherwise, the DG, no, it's becoming a futile exercise. Uh, honorable, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Honorable Liz? Yeah, Ms. Chairman, um, my concern really is that this this issue is being delayed and delayed and delayed. And um, and I yeah, I hope that you know I, I'm really surprised that a a network issue can can actually be um, allowed to do this. We all have have data on our phones. Um, surely the DG can connect through some other way. Uh, it, it's it's outrageous that um, that we can just blame the 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 connection. Right now, I'm sitting in my office in Mark's building, and I'm battling with the parliamentary Wi-Fi. I'm having to switch to my data to be able to monitor this meeting, this very meeting. I'm just a a, a layman here, um, MP, the DG, sitting with all sorts of technical help there. It's outrageous, Mr. Chairman. Um, the, the meeting really should go ahead, uh, uh, but I do accept that it's, yeah. Anyway, I, I just, I, I, this, this is typical of the Compensation Commission, I'm afraid. I mean, it's such a mess. They cannot even get a connection right to talk to members of parliament. It's outrageous. Yeah, it's, it's actually very frustrating. You see, I'm also in Mark's building. I, I connected via my own data because the parliament Wi-Fi was just, and network was just, you know, and what Mamdulasha and yourself are saying is absolutely correct. If there was a problem with the connectivity, they know about it. I'm here, uh, Chair. Yeah, you hear a commissioner, but... Connected on an alternative device, Chair. Yeah, you hear, but we're missing half your presentation. We're missing half the things you're saying. Just and members are raising correctly, so that I mean, the inability to put in place contingency plans. We've been saddled with this issue of online meetings now for close to two years. So this is actually quite frustrating, to to say the least. Can I continue, Chair? DG, the challenge is that you are here. A few minutes later, you are not there. You come back again. So we keep on losing the essence of what you are saying. It therefore becomes a futile exercise. The time that we have allowed you to uh, uh, present to us, we have lost some of the key issues. I, I, I hope you understand what we're trying to raise. We are saying if one amongst your team is in a better place 
a position where the network is not a challenge, the likes of the commissioner, can't you afford that president opportunity to take us through? Because it's starting to frustrate us having to lose some of the important issues that you are raising. We have given up on you at least a, a hand over to someone that can uh, uh, do a better job in terms of connectivity. Oh, but you, I get the part about handing over, but the commissioner's got very serious questions to answer to. These disclaimers are happening on his watch. And so this, the, the issue that Mamdoulashe and Nunavulis raised specifically about a contingency plan um, is, a, is a problem. That's the issue. And we, we, we just, uh, as you're saying, we are losing half the things he's saying. We are losing half the things he's saying. And they are important issues. So I don't know. Um, colleagues, can we, let, let's, let's do this. Uh, it's 25 past 10. Uh, Commissioner, can we give you uh, five minutes to sort out your connectivity issues, change devices, change um networks, whatever it is that you need to do, and then we proceed. But I just, yeah. We've started the, the device connection issues are connected on an alternative device. Uh, we can continue to. Right, let's see how this, this goes. Even now though you are um, buffering, so I don't know, as you're speaking. Okay, proceed together by then. Um, complete what you what you are saying. Thank you, Chair. If the Secretariat can give Linda Kota the hosting rights so that he can then show the presentation because I'm connecting from a uh, from an iPad. So if I proceed as. We're trying to get the connection chair. I was on this. The next slide is the next area is under irregular, fruitless, and wasteful expenditure. We had about eight, um, uh, 12 actions that we had identified in this particular area, 11 of whom were reportable by end of uh, December, and one was uh, after the 31st of uh, uh, December. So, of these, eight were completed, and about three that were about three of them that were not finalized. If I go to the next slide, the next slide then just gives the details in terms of the, uh, the work that we've done. One was the, uh, to finalize the process for the permanent structure for internal control unit, which is the unit that works with the CFO to manage issues around controls, compliance to PFMA, um, and management of, 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 of audits. And one of the issues also, we have a financial misconduct advisory committee, which is appointed uh, by the DG to then deal with all determination of fruitless, wasteful, and irregular expenditure, and to speed up the turnaround time for dealing with uh, such uh, cases. We also then- just one second. Can we get the presentation up, please? So I'm trying to find Linda. I'm not sure I can identify. Can Mr. Wababa then help?
As, uh, can we give the DG the hosting rights also so that he can also be able to show the presentation on his side? I was then on slide. Uh, I'm now on slide 24, Chair. So the, the issues that we're dealing with now was the fruitless and wasteful expenditure. Um, so part of the activities that we had completed, as I said, was the turnaround time for implementing terms, stricter turnaround times on uh, finalizing any resolutions that come out of the Financial Misconduct Committee, updating our SOPs with regards to um, uh, employer relations, because any consequences that flow out of any findings of the, any findings from the uh, mis Financial Misconduct Committee would then have to be dealt with through employee relations and also the reconciliations of the uh, registers to make sure to address the issues of completeness and accuracy. We then dealt with the um, reconciliation of the current registers that we have on fruitless and wasteful expenditure, as well as those that have been reported through fraud uh, cases. Um, and also then try and identify those high value uh, uh, priority cases that we can then give them a bit more attention with the financial misconduct committee to deal with those and get uh, them finalized. In the, in the next slide, it's just the other administrative issues that have been highlighted in the audit reports. We also developed action plans for these. Uh, about out of the 26 actions that we had identified in the action plan, 20 of them were due before the 31st of December, and uh, six of them were due post 31st of December. So we have implemented uh, about 19 and one was not completed as at the end of uh, December. So part of the issues that we had uh, finalized also was around the looking at all the compliance issues with SCM, uh, updating the SOPs for the uh, evaluation criteria on, on any bits to make sure that there is full compliance to uh, the SCM uh, regulations and guidelines that have been issued by National Treasury, and also doing to improve contract management, doing monthly reviews of all contracts, that, uh, as well as variations that we make on contracts to make sure that any variation that is done is within the uh, allowable limits by, in terms of the Treasury regulations. And also the, with regards to management of assets, part of the issues that we had in the previous audits was around the way that we manage the assets around reassessments of useful life of assets as well as 
any values that we reflect on the balance sheet with regards to assets. So there is some checklist that we then implemented that then helps our asset management unit when they do the revaluations at the end of the financial year. They'd be able to use, and these are based on the relevant crop standards to make sure that we don't miss any of the requirements of the crop uh, standards. So the only other issue that we had not finalized was also around the, at the end of December, was around producing reports that would then do the automatic calculation of the turnaround times on performance information. Where there's a key indicator that relates to turnaround times to make sure that we don't have uh, any disclaimers on performance as a result of uh, reports that may be inaccurate or incomplete. We also then sought to then automate some of the calculation of these turnaround times so that we can then get that in a click of a button as opposed to a manual calculation that has to be done on spreadsheets and registers outside of, of the system. So this is a process that is aligned to the finalization of the reports in the company's system. And uh, these are the reports that we'll also be using them for reporting by the end of the financial year this year. Um, I think the so in the if I go to the next slide around the there's some also other key considerations in the control environment some of the issues that have been identified also in the summaries by the AG as well as the analysis that was performed by uh, by, by management we had identified about nine actions here out of these nine actions seven of them were due before the 31st of December and two were due after the 31st of December um, and so so about seven of out of these seven, about five of them were completed in uh, by 31st of December and two had not been completed or still in progress. When we look at these, some of these were relating to uh, also improving the turnaround time between once a ER process or an employee relations process, maybe it's a disciplinary process or any uh, issue that as, as a result of consequence management, the turnaround time between when we do get the communication of whatever sanction and when it's uh, uh, once the and, the and the presiding officer is completed to when we action it, we just reduce the turnaround time to speed up the processes around some of the fraud cases, fruitless and useful expenditure cases that we were dealing with at the time. And also making sure that ER cases or status of these cases is monitored more closely at expo level as well as within the audit, the clean audit project that we're currently uh, busy with. In instances where there is uh, dependencies on the department, the uh, deputy director general corporate services at the department also has then also uh, been uh, sensitized to make sure that any of the cases that have dependencies on their side, we all agree to, the, to adhere to the turnaround times that we have. Agree. One of the activities that we had indicated was that there were about 41 cases at the time that had been uh, uh, that we were busy with uh, from an ER point of view, and uh, we needed to make sure that all of them had been uh, dealt with and finalized. We were able to deal with almost uh, all of them except for about eight of the cases that, as at the end of uh, the financial year March 2021, had not been finalized and were still in progress. And uh, these had not been concluded. We still had three or so cases that had not been finalized that were still in the uh, disciplinary hearing stage. And we also wanted to augment capacity to the employee relations unit, particularly because of not only these particular cases or active cases that we have, but also any cases that would flow out of the forensic investigations that uh, 
is going to be carried out by the appointed service providers to make sure that there isn't also delays if there is a need for action on any of those uh, items and this can be done as each report is uh, completed. So that's the process that we currently do this. We have not finalized it by end of December, but we will be finalizing it before the end of the financial year. Chair, that's the end of the presentation. Thank you very much. And apologies for this intermittent uh, connection issues that we had. All right. Um, thank you. Mom um, Dolas, let's go to you and then Honorable Liz will come in. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. <clears throat> Good morning to you, to the Chairperson of Department of Labor Portfolio Committee, Honorable Dunjwa. Uh, good morning to the DM colleagues, uh, the delegation led by the DG. Good morning, Chair. I'm I'm really taken aback with this. I hope and pray that the DG will come forward to come and formally apologize for this. Chair, it cannot be like nothing has happened when we know for a fact that no one in this day and age can experience what we're experiencing with the kinds of package that from the DG to the last person in the department are getting to make sure that uh, oversight is effective and it's being respected. I take serious offense to, with this. I guess somebody must come forward. I also would want to suggest that I think we need a physical meeting so that we can do our work properly. Those are the two things that I thought I must just raise to Chair, listening from the department, you might think that we are dealing with something that has just happened overnight. I really want to trace back the fact that this that we are talking about today it has been happening for the last 11 financial years. The fund has been receiving disclaimers and adverse audit opinion. This is why we are here today. In the last meeting, we received all this that the, the commissioner has just uh, presented. However, from where we are sitting, we are dealing with the audit findings of 2020-2021. Wherefore, what is being reported by the AG, we get to say that nothing has, in fact, happened differently. Why I'm saying that, Chair, is because all the qualifications areas that are being identified by the Auditor General are repeat findings, and they date back as far as six years, Chair. I'm not going to read all of them, but I'll just make mention of the few. For example, the revenue from the non-exchange transaction and receivable benefit, the irregular expenditure, fruitless and wasteful expenditure, payables from non-exchange transactions, and so on and so on. 
Under irregular expenditure and fruitless waste and wasteful expenditure, Jay, the AG reported the fact that the effective steps were not taken to prevent irregular expenditure and fruitless and wasteful expenditure as required by the section 51.1b.2 of the PFMA. Again, he made mention of the fact that the irregular expenditure disclosed was mainly impaired due to non-compliance with the procurement requirements. I'm just mentioning those, Chair, just as a highlight, because we all have that audit outcome. The department does have it. Hence, I'm saying, Chair, the responses we might think there is something that has just happened last month or last year, but this has been occurring for the last 11 years. And the most serious part of it, as you are listening from the presentation, you don't hear anything except for changing this and that, there's no consequence management that has been reported. And as such, this is 2021. All that had happened in the 2019-2020, which I thought this time will be getting that full briefing that says what have the department done and the commissioner in particular to change things around. I am not going to mention all those, but as part of those that have been picked up by the, by the AG, the revenue from the non-exchange transaction and statutory receivables. The Auditor General reported the fund did not correctly account for revenue. Employers were not accurate, accurately assessed in terms of the compensation for occupational injuries and disease act, that is quite. The management did not maintain proper accounting records and adequate controls over revenue assessment from the non-exchange transaction and statutory receivables. Lastly, the fund did not implement adequate and appropriate controls to address the completeness and accuracy of the employer contributions. Some employers' returns of earning were not assessed. Our concern in this regard is this repeat of finding does not, they does, in fact, the adequate with relevant skills as well as qualification. Just want to ask a direct question. Are these officials provided with training, especially on areas around the COIDA Act, so as to avoid that as just been mentioned by the AG's report? Why did the management not ensure that there are proper accounting records and control over the revenue assessment? What measures are there in place to ensure that these records and controls are put in place in the future chair. Lastly, were there any performance bonuses paid to the employees responsible record keeping, revenue management? If yes, why were they, why were they paid revenue but they did not perform as required? I'm not going to say all those, but these are some of the concerns that we are having, which are not being addressed for the last 11 years but especially for the 2021 ages report. The issue for consideration by ASCHA is one, the investment is unlisted companies has always been an area of concern for many years. The Auditor General has been raising this issue for a number of financial years. Does this fund chair have a plan to ensure that the investment is unlisted companies is correct? accounted for? Does the fund provide adequate training to officials responsible for investment 
in associates to ensure that they are kept abreast of all the requirements needed to properly account for investment in associates. If that's the case, is there a plan in place to ensure that this finding from Auditor General is correctly addressed? I would want to hear. The other matter that has been raised by the AG is the issue of internal controls. I'm not going to go through there, but Chair, what I would want to know, what are the plans to address these internal control deficiencies that are being identified by the, by the, by the AG? Chair, in our last meeting at Scopa, interacting with, with the fund, Chair, we did raise the issues and the minister did submit a plan that he was to embark on in order for, for him and his team to be able to address those. However, Chair, the plan first sought to really identify what is this that needs to be done. My fear here, Chair, is that from a distance, the, the department and the fund seems to be stable. You have a deep G who have been there for quite a number of years, as well as the commissioner and everybody else. But you don't find a strategy to turn things around, to make sure that the history of 11 years, the six years, the 2021, 2021, 2022 in particular is being addressed. You hear everything is being said like it is the case last, it was the case last year, 2021. It was also the case in the fifth parliament, wherein you are made to sit and listen for things that are never implemented anyway, hence the history. I just want to say, Chair, it's like nothing has been said because all that has, that has been raised does not seem to be addressed. Yes, there are words that are being put coherently, but looking at the actuals, you don't find any of those. So, Chair, I'm raising this to say it, it does not give us any different picture from what we got. And I, I got a feeling that says, how about now a scoper look at what needs to be done by us with the experience that you are getting from the department and all other institutions, especially when we have got this funny historical arrangement of a fund that has never been able to account properly with everybody in place from the DG to the last person. But you don't hear any anything that talks to the consequence management, but we get stacks and stacks of presentation. That does not give a text, a, a, an ordinary South African that is paying tax for the department to be able to, 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 to do its business. Doesn't find anything that says, we are taking you seriously, we are changing things around. And if we have picked up any deficiencies, we made people to, be accountable as per the BFMA. Maybe, Chair, when this discussion has been closed, the DG must come in to tell us, what has he done? Except for all this nice presentation, exactly what is being done to make sure that, because the errors that are being reported in the last year and the six years, as well as 11 years, are being created by a human being who is in the payroll of the department. But you don't hear anything. And Chair, Gone are the days where we are going to talk and South African taxpayers are going to be happy 
with our talking without doing anything. I think the time has come now for us to be able to say, for those who don't do what they are supposed to be doing according to the law, we do what we are given responsibilities to do. Because I, I, I don't see any change. I don't see any indication that we'll get anything differently. I, I see we received the presentation from the minister. However, the feedback that doesn't give you anything different. Things are being done in six months' time, in three months. Whereas the problem has been there for the last year, financially, as well as for the last six years, towards 11 years. Chair, I, I think I must just end there to, to raise my issues and say, I chair, here we are not being taken seriously in the first place. And if we're going to keep on doing this, Chair, I don't think taxpayers will be happy with us. I think our strategy must now change to say, what is this that we as a committee are going to do with the fact that the minister is not doing what is expected to do, the teacher is not doing what is expected to do. As Scopa, we need to do something so that we sit in these chairs uh, being salaried by the taxpayers, but do something on their behalf. Thank you. All right. No, thanks, uh, Mam Dolasha. I think you have placed quite a number of issues on the table, um, and all of them are very significant. Can we get responses to those, um, all those issues, um, and then we can proceed? So, um, compensation fund, over to you. Morning, Chair, and morning, the Chair, and the Honourable Members. Chair, I think, um, firstly, I would like to apologize for the, the intermittent break in, in, uh, in, in connection. Um, in fact, even when we use data, um, we, we do not have a proper connection. Um, so we respectfully I apologize for that. Um, we respect the oversight, um, and we've always respected the, the oversight. The fund has been receiving disclaimers for the past 11 years. And, and there's, there's a session that uh, nothing has been done, and, uh, and these are repeat findings. The, the committee will remember that when I started as a director general in this, in this department, I appeared before SCOPA. And I, and I said before SCOPA that the problems at compensation fund have been there for a long, long time, long before myself and the team that is here, um, you know, were, were, were part of the institution. We then presented a plan to the committee. And I did say this to the committee that if our focus is to um, address the audit findings, we will not be solving the problems at the compensation fund because the problems were, 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 were systemic um, 
and they um, touched on the, the the structure of the organization and how the organization was fun was functioning. So we then said we will with this plan, we'll first address a number of issues. I mean, it's easy for us to say um, um, we could address what AG is saying. Address it and then AG and for AG to pick it up in the following year because we're not that we have not addressed the root causes of the, the findings. So key things that we needed to do and um, in the presentation that Commissioner Mafata did, you could actually see that uh, um, we have been consistent in saying um, that we need to address issues relating to uh, people, system, um, the, the technology that we, that we are using, um, and also going full automation. So we inherited an institution that was not, um, was, was, its operation was not uh, automated. So we needed to make sure that we automate it. And once we, we, we did that um, through the ComEasy system, we needed to migrate data that was sitting um, on the legacy system. And, and, and of course that presented its own problems. And we also needed to address the issue of uh, competencies. And you'll see that in all the plans that we've had, even the plans that were presented by the minister, um, we made a commitment that we, we will indeed address that. And we could not have addressed the AG findings um, without having addressed all the systemic issues that I've spoken about, including have a reliable system. And we're happy that AG audited the system that we have now come easy, and they did not find um, a fault with it, which means that the controls that we've put on the system are now working and they are, we are now poised to um, to deal with other areas um, that that continue to uh, present us with, a, with with challenges. So that's on the system side, and we continue to have discussions with AG on a number of issues that we're disagreeing on, um, that relates to the fact that we are fully automated, and part of being fully automated means that you will not have um, anything that that is done uh, manually, you will not have hard copies, all these things, and how we deal with, um, with third parties that are transacting on our system. So, so we have all these things um, you know, on our radio. And I do want to say to the committee um, that we are at the last end of the implementation of our plan. And we hopeful, in fact, we know that uh, before the end of this financial year, uh, all these things that have plagued the compensation fund would have been addressed. That's the commitment that we all have, and that's a commitment that uh, that, that 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 we we are making. I, I could have easily have um, dismissed everybody here, and that I think would not have solved the problem. In fact, uh, uh, Chair, you remember that when I started, one of the assessments that that we made. Um, it, um, with regards to the previous management that was here, was to look at the, the skills, the competencies, and all that. And part of the consequence, uh, consequence management in my book was to make sure that we remove everybody who 
is not correctly placed. One of the problems that we had here is that people were just placed without the necessary competencies and, and qualifications um, into, into different uh, and key positions for that matter. And I'll give you one classical example that it's at one stage the head of medical services was somebody who's not uh, medically qualified. And the fact that uh, the operations of this fund were all were centralized at head office. So we needed to decentralize the, the work of the fund. We needed to make sure that we appoint nurses, we appoint doctors in provinces. So um, the assertion that there's absolutely nothing that we, we have done um, is, is not correct. I disagree with it because there's a lot of work that we have done. Yes, that work for now has not translated into us getting a, 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 a clean audit. And, and for that matter, um, I, I was not surprised that we didn't get a clean, a, a clean audit. We got a, dis, a disclaimer because part of the things that we said we will do um, and that we are committed to do um, are part of the action plan that we presented um, to the committee. So the committee, the honorable uh, member just said, um, we, have not, we have not indicated what plans do we have, what strategies do we have, yet we presented to the committee the plans, we presented the committee the strategies, um, and, and we presented how long it will take us to arrive at, uh, at this point. Now, on the issue of whether bonuses were paid for poor performance, none of the top management sitting here were paid bonuses. DG. Because, it, it, because of the, the, the work that, uh, um, that, that they've done and the fact that the fund has not been doing well. Director General, we, we agree that um, um, Can somebody draw the teachers are areas um, that in fact, as, as the commissioner was presenting. DG, I'm not sure if the DG can hear us. Is the DG there? Chair, I've muted the DG. I was hoping somebody would draw uh, to his attention that you need to speak. I'm not sure if you can hear us or not. I don't know. I'm muted. All this time I'm muted. Uh, DG. Sorry. DG. Uh, yes, Chair. Sorry. Right, DJ, I, 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 hear, I hear what you are saying and all those things have, well, not all, some have been explained. I just, maybe, just if I into context. How long have you been the DG? And uh, how long has the commissioner been a commissioner at the compensation fund? I've been a DG for I've been a DG for seven years, Chair. Right, and, and the, the commissioner, commissioner, a commissioner has been a, a, a commissioner for five years. Are uh, five years going to six now? 
Right. So we're dealing with 11 years of uh, adverse or disclaimed audit outcomes. Yes. So right. All these, so in the majority, on your watch, seven out of 11, and um, just under half on the watch of the commissioner. So I hope that context channels in the direction of what Mamdullah is saying. I really, because I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think the flip side of the coin must not be lost um, to us. That nobody is expecting miraculously that overnight you're going to move out of a disclaimer all the way to a clean audit. We might expect qualifications, yes, along the way. That is maybe not fine, but it's progress. But out of the 11 years of the disclaimers or adverse audit outcomes we are speaking about, seven have been on your watch. And so, and the five on, 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 on the watch of the commissioner. So I, I just hope that um, in responding to these things and placing them in a particular historical context, there's an appreciation of that on one end. But the other one is to say that you were employed precisely because there was an expectation that there would be movement amongst others in the audit outcomes. There hasn't been. So I think that um, the disagreements that you may have uh, must find themselves in a particular way measured in accepting the fact that ultimately the buck stops with you. And here we are now, yet again, speaking about another disclaimer. Is that the worst audit outcome that there is? Um, yeah, so I really hope that um, it was, I, I, I hear that um, it, it's everybody else but yourselves. It's an inherited uh, reality in what Mam Dolash has been uh, painting to you. I just wanted to, to draw the attention of the DG to that as he continues to respond to his questions and then honorable listen and honorable heart. I just wanted to point that out. Let's not really speak as though this is a new DG or a new commissioner. These audit outcomes are squarely on your table, at your doorstep, on your shoulders, whichever uh, expression suffices. I just wanted to, to, to clarify that, particularly on the basis that in the Fed Parliament, Scopa visited the compensation fund. We have been interacting with the compensation fund. We have raised these matters time and time again. And the main issue we have had is that you continue to be disclaimed. And there's no improvement. The only time we're going to satisfy ourselves that there's an improvement is when you come out of a disclaimer. And that hasn't happened. Because I just think that the pushback on what Mamdullah has to say, in my view, does not take any responsibility and seeks to embrace no accountability. The buck stops with you, DJ and Commissioner. So you can continue responding, but I thought that context was important. 
Yeah, I did acknowledge that, that the the park stops. I did acknowledge that the park stops with me. But in the con- in the context that you 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 um, you've indicated, chair, to simply apportion the blame on 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 the DG and the commissioner without. Um, also reflecting on the the, the real the, the 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 context in which we find the institution, and the context in which the disclaimers uh, took place, um, it would also be um, wrong of me not to indicate that context <clears throat> because if. If I inherited an institution that had all the systems in place that was properly structured, it will then mean that for for whatever happens, I, I must take responsibility for it. However, all these years that I've been in this in this department. I have presented a plan to the committee and I said, this is what I intend to do. And in fact, with, with some of the problems that have already have always been plaguing this fund, if we had not taken the steps that, were, that we've taken, this institution would have closed down. We accept that um, in, 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 in so many people's eyes, an audit outcome is a measure of progress that the institution is making. But that instrument that is being used alone does not paint the real picture. And it, it gives an impression that there's absolutely nothing that is being done. And yet, there's a lot of work that has been done here to address the, 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 the challenges. And in fact, the fact that we've moved and we have an IT system now with, with the controls that are built on that system um, is, is, is again a, 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 a testimony of the fact that we have been, we have been at work trying to address the problem. I, I, I take full responsibility for the fact that we have not moved um, to, to, we have not moved beyond a disclaimer um, to a qualification or to a clean to a clean audit, and and that's the, that's our plan and that's what we want to achieve, uh, and we think that we are at the right time now where we, we can achieve that after having done all the work that we have done. Um, I think we are positioned to uh, to go beyond the the disclaimer. I, I just wanted to 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 make that point, Chair. Um, thanks.
Are you there, Mr. Chairman? I am, actually. Um, I am. Yeah, um, Honorable Liz, you can proceed. Yeah. Um, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, the President Ramaphosa made some, some far-reaching remarks in his speech last week, and one of them was the question of red tape. Mr. Chairman, the DG is right. The audit outcome is but one measurement of the performance of any any entity, but it's it's quite an important one, I think. But the most important one, Mr. Chairman, is the service that the entity provides. That is the most important one. And the Compensation Commission provides a shocking, shocking, shocking service. And so whether it's systemic or what it is, Mr. Chairman, does not matter to the client. The client wants the service. I happen to be a client, and I think others on this meeting are clients. And Mr. Chairman, I would suggest to you that in seven years, if the compensation fund had been handed to a private enterprise, it would by now be operating very efficiently and giving a good service. Mr. Chairman, people out there are desperate. During this meeting, I have had a phone call from a desperate client of the commission. The client's name is Monster Security Services. They submitted their ROE, Return of Earnings, for the previous financial year on time. They were then told they were going to be audited. They supplied all the documents that were required for the audit. Strangely enough, they're being audited because their turnover had decreased from the previous year. Well, anyone with an iota of thought would understand that during the COVID lockdowns and year, there would likely be, in many cases, a reduction in turnover. Nevertheless, the audit was asked for. No response. The client is desperate. They are being turned on in tenders because they don't have a letter of good standing from the commission. They have a tender closing tomorrow, and the client's been on the phone to the commission today to try desperately to get some sort of response from the commission. Nothing. Nothing. Mr. Chairman, that is the measurement of any work being done by the department and the commission. That is the ultimate measurement. So, Mr. Chairman, I've got the registration number for this, this particular client of the commission, and I shall give it its two, and I hope someone there is making a note, 2014 slash one five eight eight one two slash zero seven 
Commissioner, I'd expect you to now go personally and see what the blockage is with this particular client of yours. Mr. Chairman, it is outrageous. It is completely unacceptable that we have the excuses given to us by the DG. After seven years, he's just still telling us that it's systemic. They've put an IT system in place. Well, does that IT system send out notices that RAEs are now due? As far as I know, it doesn't. In the old manual system 10 years ago, I used to get a notice. Now I get nothing. Nothing. This is the new system. Mr. Chairman, I have some questions about figures in the, in the annual report. So on page 95, there's a reference to intercepted payments and fraudulent claims. But there's no detail given in the annual report of what exactly these are. So what are they? They're about 100 million, I think, if I remember correctly. What is an intercepted payment? Then, Mr. Chairman, on page 13, as we call it up, if I can find the right one. Please be patient, Mr. Chairman. I'm, I'm really, myself, I think we're all losing patience with the Commission. Um, yeah, so there's, there's, a, there's an indication of Various parties, 71 million, 812,518 rand case investigated in finalized anti-fraud and corruption units, et cetera, et cetera. Can we have some detail about who these various parties are that amounted to nearly 72 million rand? Mr. Chairman, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm just, I'm really so upset. You know, I, I've just been dealing with, on the telephone, I don't know why I took the call, but I'm very pleased I did take the call, with someone who was basically in tears. There's a business that's likely just simply to close down, employees to lose their jobs, and yet President Ramaphosa has emphatically said, Red tape must be dealt with. And here we have the DG saying, well, it's taking some time and, you know, we'll get there eventually. No, it's unacceptable, Mr. Chairman. Thank you very much. Right. Um, thanks, uh, Honorable uh, Lise. All right, let's get responses to that. Thank you, Chair. Um, just to responding, so earlier on, Honorable Jolashis uh, was reading out of the audit report. Uh, Commissioner, Commissioner, just one second. Uh, you've got feedback like uh, there's another device in the room. It's like one of those radio uh, things. I see you speaking from the boardroom. Uh, maybe there's another device that's got a feedback. Can you just try again? Okay, thank you, Chair. So, Chair, 
Earlier on, Honorable Talashi spoke right out of the audit report, the issues that the Auditor General had raised around uh, uh, our management of revenue and the absence of controls uh, in, the, in the management of, uh, of revenue from non-exchange transactions. So a lot of the issues, so issues around audit that have been flagged by Honorable Liz is actually those controls that we've put in place to make sure that whatever earnings that are declared by an employer, we're able to, uh, to verify. So flagging an employer for audit is a control measure in instances where if the revenue that has been declared by an employer or the earnings that have been declared by an employer in the current year significantly differs from the earnings that have been declared by the same employer in the prior period. And flagging for audit is those controls that we put in place to verify if indeed that those changes are genuine. And when an employer is flagged for audit, an employer gets an email which would list issues and items that they would need to submit to the compensation fund for the compensation fund to be able to carry out the audit and clear the uh, flagging for audit so that the employer can then be able to pay their, to be assessed and pay the assessment that has been made. If the employer does not cooperate or does not provide the information that has been requested, it would result in the frustrations that Honorable Liz was speaking about earlier. Sorry, about, Mr. Uh, I must interrupt. The employer did respond. The employer did submit everything. Please, Mr. Chairman, can we not obfuscate and make excuses all the time? I'm not a fool. I understand what verification is. And I said to you that we accepted, although the reason of a reduced turnover at a time of COVID need, would surely have required a little bit more thought, Mr. Chairman. But the, the information was supplied. All right. The information was supplied. Um, I think a number has been given, a reference number. I think that's what you gave, Honorable Liz. Let's just leave that at that. And in that case, be taken up and um, we can do a follow-up uh, in a week as to the progress of that particular matter. But otherwise, Thank you, Chair. We will reach out to Honorable Liz just to get the, because we need the correct UCF registration number. We'll get that from the uh, from the Honorable Member and then attend to it. Um, Chair, the second issue, the question on page 95 of the annual report, what is an intercepted claim and fraudulent claims? So in the course of processing claims, we do come across instances where a claim may have been fraudulently uh, uh, submitted and a, uh, inadvertently also then fraudulently pay or paid into a claimant that is not, or a person that is not the uh, injured worker, or in some cases, even the, the bank account that is used to pay into the, the claim into would then not be the uh, correct banking details of the claimant as a result of whatever fraud syndicates that would uh, uh, attack the fund and uh, intercept some of these payments. So that's what that uh, indication is on the on page 95. We prepare the financial statements in accordance to GRAP, so there is no requirement for us to provide that list, but that list we will provide to the committee uh, 
so that it highlights what those details are. We do have it. We'll be able to submit it at the end of this meeting. That shows what makes up the amount that is reflected on the um, financial statements. And I think it's the same with the issue of the 71 million, because the 71 million is the fraud cases that uh, were investigated in the last financial year, which uh, included those that had been intercepted. And the parties, and almost all of these cases are before the law enforcement agencies as we speak. We will be able to provide that list as well to the committee before the, at the end of this meeting. Thank you, Chair. All right, um, thank you. Are there any um, other response questions, colleagues? I don't see an indication in the group. Colleagues can indicate if they wish to speak. Yes, Chair. Honorable Hattab with an H, you may proceed. Yeah, thanks. I must say um, today's meeting is really frustrating. Um, let me first focus on the presentation as it was uh, shared with us early this morning and presented to us by the commissioner. I am struggling to make sense of these timeframes and there are two vague chair. Um, if you, for an example, go to slide five, there are a whole lot of... Um, let just go to slide number five. Um, the summary of the progress of issues that uh, were meant to be completed from June to 31st of December 2021. That's the action plan. It has highlighted all the issues that have been completed to date, um, outstanding, and it has indicated uh, the number of issues that will have to be completed before the end of 31st March 2022. Now, you would see that there's a difference in terms of outstanding issues. Uh, for an example, if you take the first one, which is uh, revenue and receivable from non-exchange transaction, issues that are outstanding are nine. But they can only um, implement three. Now I was expecting that when they were dealing with the update status per focus category, they will give more details. But what uh, that status per focus category does, it just say, well, we're planning to implement uh, 42, we only completed 33, nine, it's outstanding. And they will be implemented after the 31st of December. I don't know what date is after the 31st, the chair. Yesterday, it was after the 31st. Today, it is after the 31st. Now, for monitoring, evaluation, and review of your action plan, chair, you need to have specific dates so that we are able to monitor progress. If you just say after the 31st, um, it's an open-ended 
state in all these uh, focus categories are not specific. We know from the previous slide uh, that between December and March, you'll only implement 12. What happened to the 19? Now, that's an indication, Chair. I often make this uh, statement that you cannot monitor that which you can measure. So we don't know what's going to happen uh, with that 19 action plans that are not listed here. Can I just get clarity, Chair, on the dates that are vague and requ request in future um, to also give reasons for not implementing what you had initially planned to implement, for you to just give us numbers and what has not been implemented without giving um, reasons. How then are we going to be convinced that there are remedial actions in place to remedy the situation that led to you not being able to implement what you have uh, planned to implement? If Chair, I'm expected to arrive in the, at the city hall at 10 o'clock with my car with five people. If I arrive at 11 with three people, surely those that are expecting five won't be uh, accept the fact that, yes, we are here at 11 and we are three. They will find, they won't know what happened to the other two and why we are late. No, I had a puncture, there was traffic on the road, the other two people were late or they got sick, they're no longer coming. At least I understand why you failed to deliver five and you arrived with three. But this report does not tell us that it is not the progress report that contain detailed information. It's not a progress report that contain mitigating factors it is not the progress report that tells us what led to the failure in achieving the planned actions that were meant to be achieved on the 31st of December, 2021. Can I get that response, Chair? Thank you. All right, Honorable Hadebe with an H. Can we get a response to that? Thank you, Chair. Chair, so the what what is reflected here on the slide? I think I do take note of the, uh, the the comment around us not providing the reasons for not implementing the targets. So that's something that we didn't include in the in the presentation. We'll make sure that we include that uh, going forward. There are reasons why for each of these activities why we have not been able to complete them by end of December as we initially uh, intended. And for some of these, we've already extended, we've extended some of the, uh, actually determined the dates. Each uh, responsible head would then have to come up with a catch-up plan that indicates by when they're going to complete these activities if they have not completed them by uh, a specific time. So we'll make sure that we, in future presentations, we just incorporate that element for each of those items that may not be complete at the end of the reporting period. But just to explain the, 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 the slide five. So the item is in blue, relates to out of, aside from the activities that were due to be reported at the reporting date. Commissioner. Yes, sir. sir. Sorry to interject. I understand exactly what is contained on slide five. 
and the color coding. I was merely giving you an example of what we have achieved and what we have not achieved and what is outstanding. And I was saying to you, your summary is not giving details. Two, there are 19 action plans that are not included in the other slide. What happened to them? Don't explain what is contained there. Explain what happened to the 19 outstanding. Because if you look into the blue, you will only achieve 12 on the 31st of March. You have 31 that is not complete. 12 minus 31, you are left with 19. Where is the 19? So, so that we That's save time. So that we save time in explaining the color coding, and 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 the the, the content and the context of that slide. Thank you, and my apologies for interjecting. Thanks, Chair. I was trying to explain that. So you cannot minus the twelve from thirty-one. These are two separate activities. So that's what I was trying to explain uh, earlier on. That what we are tracking in blue is outside because the 31 is the items that were forming part of the 169. That was reportable by end of December, 2021. And out of those 169, 31 of them were not complete. And I indicated in my presentation that as part of our ongoing monitoring, we also want to keep track of what are those actions that are reportable in the next reporting term, which is the end of uh, the quarter so that whoever is implementing any of the activities, they don't get lost in only looking at the items that were not completed in December, but they know that in addition to those items that were not completed by December, you also have 12 items in the same quarter that you are currently tracking that you need to implement as well. Thanks. So you, you, are, you are simply saying, out of the 31 that is outstanding, we should add 12. Yes, sir. And when you are saying to us after December, what is after December? Selfest. Because only 12 you, you are so these are giving us. I'm saying only 12 where you are giving us dates, which is the 31st of March. The 31 you are simply saying after 31st of December. And I don't think that will help in terms of our monitoring exercise. We want the actual date where you're going to achieve the outstanding uh, uh, plans. I'm listening. Thanks, I'm listening. So I've lost you. These are indicators that we also need to include in the presentation to show what are the dates for each of those items. So presenting to us today, you don't know okay, the Chair, dates. can you hear me now? I'm losing you. your connectivity. It's a, a challenge. Uh, but if you can proceed, please do so. Yes. 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 Okay, thanks. I'm speaking from the DG's device now. 
Um, yes, Commissioner. Um, um, uh, I, I, let me, so we let, do take note of the point. So what we did not include in our presentation is then to show for all those items that we've not completed, what is the time that these are going to be completed. But the, they should be completed. The expectation is that they're completed by the end of the quarter, which is the 31st of March, uh, 2022. So we'll provide, we'll, I think in subsequent presentations, we'll make sure whether there's items that are outstanding will indicate exactly what is the intended completion time if they've not been completed by the time as per the, as per the plan. And also highlight what are the reasons that would have led to uh, us not completing that on time and what mitigating plans we've put in place to make sure that uh, we implement them on time. Thanks, Chair. So you, you have that information available at your disposal. You chose not to uh, uh, finish that with us or you didn't see a need to provide that with us. Fair enough. Can we then give you a time frame for, for you to finish with us uh, with that information? Uh, a week, if it's readily available, uh, a week will be enough. Or even after this meeting, if that informa if the information it's um, available, we'll, we'll 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 provide it, Chair. By the end of the week, we just need to because part of our operational working documents, we just need to clean it up a bit. So we'll, if we can submit by Friday, Chair, we'll do so. Okay, uh, but how do you present to someone who is? not hands-on in terms of your daily operation, a report that, that is vague. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to understand. The, yeah, Hello, Chair? Proceed on Salo. Oh, okay. No, no, thanks. Um, uh, Commissioner, I'm, I'm saying one wonders what, what was the plan and intention of limiting us in terms of the information. Now we'll have to wait another week. Probably you are not aware we've got lineup meetings, a scope, are we dealing with other issues? Uh, I'm humbly requesting for future purposes please provide us with full and detailed information. If you saw it fit to indicate the deadline for the items listed in blue, I see no reason why you did not include the deadline for the item highlighted in red. To me, that only speaks to one thing, that you don't know when and how you're going to complete those activities. And if you know that information could be presented to us immediately after this meeting or tomorrow. So for you to ask for a week, as I proposed, it's a clear and simple indication that you're still going to look around for the information. That is highly unacceptable for a department that has had 11 disclaimer audit opinion you have been responsible for seven of those based on the number of years that you were involved in that uh, 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 department. And you're saying to us the IT system with controls, uh, uh, 
built in has been uh, put in place as one of your successes. But the question is, what are the positive results that have been produced by that IT system? Do you care to share with us any positives? Because the audit opinion does not reflect any improvement. In fact, it's the regression. Please share with us the positives of the IT system that you highlighted as one of your key success in relation to the uh, disclaim audit opinion. Commissioner, over to you. Thank you, Chair. Um, so, Chair, maybe just highlight, uh, we implemented CompEasy from the 19th of October, 2020. And if you look at some of the highlights that we've implemented in the system or that we've achieved in the system, one is we've created an online platform for any person who interacts with the compensation fund, an employer who wants to submit a claim, a medical practitioner who wants to submit a medical invoice or a pre-authorization request can do so online. And we've created a platform that allows them, should they wish to do this themselves, they don't need to go to a third party or anybody else to help them to do this because they can then submit this on their own. We have improved validation controls over, number one, registration of users on the system. So only a person who is authorized by an employer can submit a claim on behalf of an employer or a claim on behalf of a medical practitioner. Um, Nobody can submit anything on behalf of anybody if there is no value, if it hasn't passed any validations that we've put in place. Claims, invoices that come into the system goes through a validation process that ensures that only valid claims are submitted to the compensation fund. In the last two and a half years that we've implemented, or a year and a half that we've implemented the system, we've paid over 4 billion rands in claims. And all these claims have gone through this particular validation process. And we know that what we're paying is submitted by the uh, correct uh, person and it has gone to also the, the, the correct person. Over and above that, we've also implemented, I spoke to the account verification system that came as part of the implementation of the new claims management system. Any payment that goes to the bank has to be validated through uh, the account verification system to check whether the claim that we are paying the bank account belongs to the claimant, and if the bank account doesn't belong to the claimant, we're then able to deal with those exceptions and uh, find reasons why this should be paid and so on. So these are at, the, at a high level. These are some of the, the highlights of this uh, system. It has been subjected to audit, uh, and the control weaknesses that have been identified in the previous system that we're using were not uh, existent in this current system that we are now uh, using. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner. Um, turning into your financial statement uh, submitted for audits, it does not meet the required standards. The Auditor General complains um, uh, that you are relying or dependent on audit process to correct the misstatement on your financial statement. And not all the misstatement has been corrected. Why is it that you are unable to produce quality financial statement? Why are you dependent on the audit process to correct the misstatement and submit proper statement for audit? Are you unable to 
just submit a mere financial statement that is uh, professional in line with the standard of audit. What's happening there? Thanks, Chair. Okay, thank you, Chair. So, Chair, so the, the DG has highlighted also earlier on the some of the systemic issues that uh, we still currently dealing with that still influences the um, information that we use to compile financial statements. So, while granted there are some areas where there is errors that would have been made in the compilation of financial statements. Uh, in some of the cases, these things relate to uh, the systemic issues that we've had with the balances that we're still currently carrying on our financials, uh, on our financial statements. And as such, uh, we then unable even to correct some of these misstatements by the end of the audit when the AG is finalizing the audit. And in such cases where we've not been able to finalize those, we then deal with them as prior period uh, correction of errors when we do compile financial statements in the subsequent periods. So when the AG does come in for the status of records review as part of their planning for the audit, we then present them with all those corrections that we could not do on time at the end of the audit process so that those can also be subjected to, 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 to the audit. Thanks, Chair. I guess I'm trying to find out what is it that you will do to completely eradicate dependence on audit or uh, a process for you to submit proper audit statement. What are the plans in place? It's not for the first time, it's not for the second, it's not for the third. It's been happening for years. There hasn't been an indication that you are going to move towards a process where you are no longer dependent on audit process to submit proper financial statement. Are the measures in place? 11 years gone past, seven years for of you and other five years of the senior management, no improvement. It's all good and well to highlight failures and challenges and blockages. What we want is solutions, tangible, practical, and implementable solutions, not plans that have failed for the past 11 years. Thank you, Honorable Hadem. We, 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 we are not in a position to accept theory at this juncture. It has been happening for 11 years. We want practical solutions. Thanks, Honorable Hadebe. So in my presentation earlier, I spoke to some of the processes that we've put in place to improve the completeness and accuracy of the financial statements. I spoke to reconciliation processes that we put in place, uh, development of reports on CompEasy that would help us, that would, uh, that would uh, tie up with the figures that we're reporting in the financial statements. And these have been developed in the Compasy system, the new system that we've implemented, the reconciliation process that the CFO and his team have started to enforce and make sure that for every item that we have on our management accounts, every control account, there is a corresponding reconciliations, which is supported by uh, reports 
statements that uh, talk to transactions that make up the balances in the uh, financial statements. So it is those processes that we've put in place that would make sure that would help us to address these issues related to um, misstatements that may have occurred in the financial statements in the past. In addition to that, dealing with all the prior period issues, I spoke to the process that we've put in place to deal with all prior period errors that have been reported by the AG, beginning with the analysis work that we've done over the last 10 years, and now with the action that is taking place to deal with each of those items that were forming part of the prior period errors from the past. Thanks, Chair. But these are not new. What you are telling us is not new. And it has not yielded positive results. That's my issue. Thanks, Chair. So I understand, Chair, this is what you're saying is not new, Chair, but the comp easy system is new. And all these measures that I'm talking about, we put them it, in place didn't in the comp easy in, system. In 2020, the system. We, we implemented the system in October. 2019 and uh, 29, progressively yes, released tw- yes, uh, modules yes, of the system over the course of the month. 20, yes. Sorry, 2019. How many audits have you completed since then? The audit that we've just passed was the first audit on the system. And the, there is no improvement. It's still the disclaimer. That's my point. So you can't tell us about the system That's, implemented in 2019 and has failed to produce results in 2021 that we must expect improvement. How long should it take for a system implemented in 2019 to produce positive results? And how much have you spent of incurred in that uh, process from 2019, the implementation maintenance of that system? How long have you incurred? Because there are no results. Yeah. Honorable Hadebe, you requested earlier for me to talk about the positives related to the business system, and I've highlighted them. So those are some of the positive. No, no, I'm saying it, I'm, I'm, con- I'm concerned about your status of your audit opinion. For us to see change, it must be reflected in the outcome of your audit opinion. You have put system in place in 2019 to change uh, things, and that should be reflected on your audit opinion. It has not been reflected to date. All right, Honorable Hadebe, let's do this. You are, you are not going to get the answers that you want because if you may have noted earlier on, there's disagreements with the AG in certain aspects of this auditing work that's being done. So you're not going to get uh, those responses. And precisely, you're not going to get them because the culture at the compensation fund is that a disclaimer is a comfort zone. That's why. It's a conducive and an enabling environment just to do things as they wish and without any consequence or accountability. Zero accountability. No matter how they can try and spin it, the bottom line is that a audit 
is an assurance provider in that it looks at financial management, it looks at leadership, it looks at controls, it looks at functionality, it looks at everything. And at the compensation fund, we have got absolutely nothing to go on. Nothing. And Deputy Minister, this is precisely why we are in this mess. How, how we, what, what, what assurance do we have about all this information of the so-called successes that it's actually there when there is absolutely no audit, there's absolutely nothing? We must sit here and literally be expected to swallow down everything that we've been told and accept it as a gospel truth in the absence of an audit outcome, which because when something is disclaimed, the auditor is literally saying, I'm not touching this mess because there's absolutely nothing here, or there's no access to scope, there's no paperwork, there's no paper trail, there's absolutely nothing. And there is a continuation of a nerve cheek and audacity on the part of the compensation fund and the department to just say the rest of us must go and jump off the nearest cliff, accept what they're saying, and they just don't care. So I think this interaction for all intents and purposes is everybody's waste of time until such time that the minister takes decisive action about the current leadership that is in the department and in the entity. Because we've got nothing that can assure us that the work that we are being told now, any success that has been pointed to, either one is there or is actually credible because you have been disclaimed for 10 years. an absolute disaster actually chair if if i were to add so that the honorable ladies will come in after honorable Hattif. yes if if the, so that they understand our frustration when the auditor general says to us had it not been for legislative requirement to perform audit on public entities i would have withdrawn my service from this entity. The Auditor General is fed up, does not want anything to do with this, but because of the legislative requirement, they were forced to audit you. Please understand our frustration from that context. You can't come here and paint a, a, a picture that of everything is under control when it's not. The Auditor General wanted to withdraw. Please take us into confidence and understand that we know exactly what's going on based on your audit outcome. Painting another narrative is not assisting in dealing with the situation. It further exacerbates the level of commitment from your side to the extent and the magnitude of the challenges that you are confronted with. Thank you, Chair. Right, Honorable Liz. And then we'll bring this to a close and we'll map out a, a, a way forward. Um, thank you, Mr. Chairman. It's, it's, it's a bit of a, um, a, yeah, it's not quite a, what we, the frustration we've been talking about, but something that's been raised a couple of times is the question of obtaining um, the audited results from, from investees. Now, 
as I understand um, accounting, there, there are procedures that you don't have to have the same year-end, financial year-end, to be able to consolidate entities or bring in. So I, I'm why I'm raising this, Mr. Chairman, it's kind of raising a, a bit of a concern on my part that it's not just about year-end not coinciding, Perhaps these investees simply don't produce um, financial results, um, and so I, I would I would really like a very specific um, report, perhaps, of these these entities that are apparently giving um, making it difficult for the compensation commission to produce financial results or reports. Um, to be listed, and 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 maybe we can be sent copies of their financial results, so that uh, you know we get some comfort because you know, both you and 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 Honourable Khatebe, um have indicated we we don't really have too much confidence because we don't have much to go on. We simply listen and are told things, and one of the things we're being told is, well, these we have problems with UNs not coinciding. I. I'm not so sure that I accept that too easily. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Right. Um, thanks, Honorable Lis. Uh, the Chairperson of Employment and Labor, Mam Tundra. My, 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 no, my apology, Chair, can we also ask in relation to what they presented to us um, sometime? Um, I'll just check, was it in June? the okay. investigation plan should we yeah, also ask no no good morning chair and good morning to all honorable members and the department and, and the dm I, I i i hope i'm not uh, i'm not overstretching my 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 invite i just want clarity so that I don't leave here in this meeting not not trying to understand what comrade had I'm sorry what honorable Hadebe was saying around what the AG said in terms of auditing compensation fund if they were not compelled by law they wouldn't if, if I can just if it's possible for him to repeat that in fact, it's just a repeat so that I leave this meeting understanding what has then been said, if then I'm allowed to, to ask that check. Oh, you are more than allowed to ask that, uh, Mam Tunja. Uh, Honorable Hattebe? Yes, uh, let me just read. In the audit report, uh, uh, Honorable Chair, the Auditor General reported that due to the limitation imposed on the scope of the audit by management, the audit opinion is disclaimed and had it not been for the legislative requirement to perform the audit to the public entity, the Auditor General would have withdrawn from the audit. No, thank, no, thank you, Chair. I, I, I wanted to, to be clear that I understood it well. No, thank you. It was, it was only that, nothing else. Right. Okay, 
All right, Honorable Hatta, we come to the point you wanted to come to. I just wanted to make sure we give the Chair of Employment and Labor an opportunity um, on the issue you are asking. Maybe that DM can actually take us on board. How far is the, the investigation and what's the progress? I think that is where you were, Honorable Hatta, right? Yes, no, no, thanks, Chair. Okay. We, we, we all know now that the, the, the minister submitted to us um, on the 21st of June. Um, the terms of reference for the investigation. And I think uh, the scope is for five years, dating to 2016, 2017 to 2020, 2021. And it is uh, divided into eight phases. So um, the clarity that one after interacted uh, with the, the, the plan, the terms of reference, uh, they don't provide uh, with a clear time frame on the actual commencement of the investigation. There are no proposed dates for each phase. We don't know when will each phase commence and how long will it take for the completion of the other phase. The cost and estimated costs are not clearly stipulated. And this it's in relation to cost benefit analysis. So that, that, that's the issue that I wanted clarity on, Chair, in terms of uh, giving us status update and how far are they with the process having submitted to us in June 2021? Has the tender been advertised uh, for these purposes? When, if they have not start, started, when are they anticipating to start? If they've started, how far are they? Thank you, Chair. Okay, the response to that, um, I'm sure DM and DG, you can give clarity on that. Chair, can I attempt to, can I provide a response? So, okay, thank you, Chair. Chair, the six service providers have been appointed, as reported to the committee. The contracting process with the service providers were completed uh, in January. The investigations unit is now busy with the planning for allocation of the cases to, uh, to, to the service providers. So what we previously committed was that as, as each phase, is completed because the investigations we may not be able to have a clear time frame of when each investigations depending on how far deep the investigators have to go with their investigation work because some of the investigation work may even involve uh, some surveillance requirements and so on which may uh, and also requests of documents from banks from service cell phone providers and so on so that in itself takes a bit of time and we we, we have committed that will report each case as it's completed, uh, that would then be, be, be provided as a report to, to, to the committee chair. Once the planning is completed with the six service providers, we should be able to provide a clear plan that show for each of the investigations, what is the estimated cost. We have a set a budget for, for the investigations. Um, it's just roughly around almost close to 500 million chair for the investigations over the 
because of the contract impunity that we have with the service providers. But the once they have the scope of the cases, they'll be able to then give us a clear estimate for each of those cases, which may be uh, less or equal to the amount that we've budgeted for for these investigations. Can I just get that again, uh, Commissioner? You said you budgeted how much? For the scope of the investigation? We've through- budgeted almost 500 million, Chair. For the investigations? For the, well, Chair, it's investigations of all areas of the compensation fund. So that's the estimated budget that we've provided for. But it's, the, it's from the planning with the service providers that it will give us the actual costs, which may come out much less than what we have budgeted for, Chair. But all that will be in that plan once each of the service providers is. Who are these service providers you're working with? Chair, it's... Um, I don't have the list with me. We did provide the list to the committees uh, in, in November, Chair. I just have to just quickly check the list and the names that we've provided to yeah. the committee. Uh, Commissioner, we, we ask these things so that you can place them on the public record and on the record, not us. So correspondence is one thing. Chair, also, I I also um, find it difficult to accept that uh, they don't have a framework of um, when will each phase be completed. But the actual date, obviously, once the planning has been concluded. But if you if you know that the, this investigation might take five years, surely there has to be a draft framework that this five years is divided into eight and each phase is likely to be concluded at this time so that you don't have, or we're faced with a situation where we come back um, for extension of time and increase of scope and extension of cost. We don't want that situation. You can't give service provider a blank check. There has to be some sort of a framework. At least appear as if you know what you want to achieve when. Don't leave it to the service provider to tell you. Right. No, let's let's find um I think let's 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 get that uh, concluded. Um I don't know. Uh DM. Uh, To say we are are not happy would be an understatement uh, of the highest order. Um, And I I, I want to believe that uh, there's just simply no appreciation of the gravity of the situation. Um, and there is a emerging trend with the compensation fund and the Department of Labor that oversight is an irritation and that it's a box-ticking exercise. I want to reiterate that audit outcomes are an enabler 
and an assurance provider. And they're an information tool for everyone. As things stand now, the compensation fund is at the bottom of the bottom, literally scraping the bottom. And from whatever vantage point anybody can look at it, there is simply no improvement. Zilt. Because there's no information. We are relying on hearsay. And I think, uh, DM, that is fundamentally why I'm saying to say we are unhappy would be an understatement. Honorable Hattabe correctly points us out to the outlook of the Auditor General insofar as this entity is concerned. The DG tells us that there are areas of disagreement. I'm really not sure how anybody who has been disclaimed for 10 years or adverse for 10, 11 years is in any position to disagree with anything. There's an absolute collapse of systems at the compensation fund. And judging by the current attitude and outlook, there is no redemption in sight. We may sit here and speak to successes which are untested, assuming that they are a light at the end of the tunnel, only to find that as we get closer to the light, it's an oncoming train. So, Jim, I... I, I, I hope you, I mean, I know you've had, you've listened to what you've had to say and you'll interact with the portfolio committee. Our issue is that we are settled with an institution that to say is an ICU in itself would probably be yet again another, another understatement. But be that as it may, we're going to come back to these issues and probe through the annual report section by section. And Mam Dolasha has put here to us the issue of a physical meeting. Um, the Secretariat, if you can um, check with the Parliament, uh, when at the earliest convenience venues will be made available to us here in Parliament. Um, I know that uh, there is a process to give up the capacity that's there under the circumstances to ensure that if committee rooms are required, we get them. There's venues in Marks Building, there's venues in 120 Plain, and there's venues at Good Hope. Um, and I think there are venues that we can make use of in the NCOP building. And then you can have this meeting because this online engagement is not helping. But uh, DM, um, if you can convey to the minister as the executive authority, none of us sitting here are actually convinced that there's progress. 
you disclaimed. So we don't trust anything you tell us. Because it's got no assurance. It's not tested. The AG is walking away from it. So I just hope that um, uh, the, the, the department and the entity will leave here. No, we don't trust anything you are saying. Because there's no basis for us to do so. For all intents and purposes, that's what it is. So, so DM, I would really want the minister to indicate to us why these individuals who continue to occupy the offices they do are in office. The last time I said they must tell us why they should actually continue holding the offices that they do. On what basis can we sit here and be confident when these things are happening on their watch? DM, you are new. You arrived in 2019. Ministers new in this portfolio. If the administration is not, and so unless we test credibly through these investigations, it must move with speed because we should, whether are they not part of the problem, if not the problem. You know, our, our patience has run out with the compensation fund because at every meeting, it's the same attitude. It's run out. So, uh, DM, when the minister's back, please ask, inform him that if he can inform us in 14 days why, they, why he believes the DG and the commissioner should be in their positions, the reasons for that. And then we'll come to the DG and the commissioner for them to explain to us why they should continue being in their positions. And then we'll take, we'll make the necessary recommendations and put them to the house. Because unless something gives, unless there's consequence management, it's an absolute shame to have an entity which maintains a defiance in the face of disclaimers over 10 years and digs in its heels and just goes on business as usual and it's fine. No, um, we can justify why we are disclaimed and speak of inheriting issues when by and large the disclaimers we are speaking about now are uh, happening on your watch because you are not new individuals. Unless I'm insane, but I doubt I am, something's got to give. And let's stop fiddling on the edges and go right to the heart of the leadership of the institutions and the department where the buck stops. So, and then colleagues, we will come back to, to, to this entity. We will find a date and have a physical meeting and interrogate uh, the, the, the annual report. Um, and then let me just check colleagues are indicating something here. Um, yeah, so I think let's we'll, we'll just leave it at that because I'm, I don't think there's anything
something that we can hear that we can concretely say is credible. What are, because what assurances can we get other than the fact that we would rely on the AG, a chapter nine institution, by the way. So that's where we're going to leave it. And I'm going to hand over to you um, to make concluding remarks. And then I just have a few announcements to make them for the committee. But as things stand, the entire situation of the compensation fund is totally unacceptable. Yeah, can I request that in, in, in preparation for that meeting where we'll probe in detail in the, the annual statement, uh, we be given practical solutions on the mitigating factors to change the status quo. We can accept uh, to be referred to systems implemented in 2019, yet they don't produce results. We humbly request so that we show the, the public and the entity show the public that indeed they are equal to the task. Trying becomes a futile exercise if all you do is constantly fail and will reach a point where we don't accept theory in terms of resolving challenges. Thank you, Chair. It's fine. I think on top of that, what we can do is that we will, ahead of that um, engagement, we will send a comprehensive list of additional information that we would want them to speak to on top of the annual report um, and the management letters and the audit action plans and so on and so forth. So let's let we will build on what you were saying. Right, the Honorable Deputy Minister, may I hand over to you, ma'am? Thank you so much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Um, thank you, uh, Honorable Members uh, of SCOPA and Honorable Members of the Portfolio Committee uh, on Employment and Labor. Uh, I think I, I feel your. I feel you, Honorable Chairperson, and I think uh, I think we are in this together. I think um, I will convey the message. I commit to convey the message to the minister, and I think we are, are not going to say much because we just have to await uh, further instructions from yourselves as to what is the next course of action and when uh, are we going to have another uh, engagement. And I, I, we just commit, ours is to commit that uh, uh, we will make sure that in the next engagement that all the um, uh, uh, queries, questions and outstanding issues that we might not have actually uh, answered to the best of um, uh, our abilities uh, to the committee, we make sure that we close those gaps and uh, we are able to um, revert back with a more credible uh, report back uh, to the committee itself. But I think um, we will be able to honor um, your 14 days that you have um, requested us that in the next 14 days, you would want to most probably be able to call for a next meeting. So I think in that period, we will have been able to gather the necessary information that is outstanding that might not have been um, adequately dealt with. And uh, we'll try to make sure that we also avail ourselves uh, 
to the meeting that will be uh, convened by your honorable selves, honorable uh, members and honorable chairs. And I think I will stop there for now and will await um, your further uh, indulgence in these matters that has been put forward. Thank you so much, uh, honorable members. Right, and thank you very much, um, DM. Um, we will be in touch uh, probably by the end of the week with just our expectations and then the issues that um, have been raised uh, by members. May I also take this opportunity to um, thank the chairperson of Employment and Labor and our colleagues uh, in the Portfolio Committee, um, the SIU AG, National Treasury, um, as always, thank you very much. Uh, DG and your team, uh, Commissioner and your team, thank you very much. Um, so on that score, the matters of the compensation fund will bring them to uh, end there for today. And we will um, move forward uh, in a structured way, which we will communicate in the coming days. Um, colleagues, just the one announcement that I want to make is that, um, as I think Sistombi has probably circulated the memo, which I, 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 I was speaking about earlier. Thank so you, that, Chair. Can we step off the platform? Yeah, you are, you are, thank, you, thank you so much, DM. Yes, you may. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Um, I, I did receive a response from the president. Um, and I sent it to legal. There was issues around the state security agency. There was a delay in them responding for a host of issues which they have tried to explain and rationalize with me. Be that as it may, I am the legal opinion on those aspects of the state security agency have been clarified. The letter and the legal opinion should have reached you by now. Um, and we will meet um, this afternoon or this evening. I know that the notification said 18.30, but I was suggesting 1,800 hours because all we have on the sitting today is the president responding to the debate, and then we'll look at the, the, the matters. So um, the change of slot was necessitated by the delay in the response by... Uh, um, legal services on the aspects which I asked them to clarify insofar as the president's uh, latest concern. So I apologize for um, that delay, but I will ventilate uh, all those issues uh, at that meeting when we're dealing with that agenda item. I thought I should give the background um, uh, to that as to uh, why that happened. So that meeting is scheduled for um, this evening. Um, and it was in consultation with the House Chairperson's Office and the Portfolio Committee on Employment and Labor that we were able to effect the change so that we could meet employment and labor now again and then go back to uh, the, the, the other matters. So, colleagues, that's where that matter is. So, Stombe, I hope you have, um, the members have received those documentations uh, by now. So, I just wanted to give that, but I will ventilate them further uh, should the need arise um, later on uh, this afternoon, this evening. So I just wanted to um, give that background uh, to colleagues. Um, yeah, that's all I wished to convey, uh, colleagues. So uh, thank, thank you, Chair. Yes, indeed, we've received the correspondence. 
and the legal opinion. We were multitasking in this meeting. We were going through the <laughs> So thank you so much, Chef. We've, we've received that documentation. Okay. Ms. Van, colleagues, can we meet at 1800 hours this evening to deal with the president's response and um, to consider the legal advice and guidance uh, which has been given on the aspects uh, of the state security agency? Um, the house is at um, 1400 today. Um, so I think we can bring the meeting to an end. Mazamba, because you and I in Mark's building, Mazamba, see what I'm for. We are shall pass 12. Yeah, I'm sorry. All right, colleagues. On that note, the meeting stands adjourned. We will convene at 1800 hours this evening. Check, evening. you defended me from the. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> no, yes, yeah. yeah, so okay. Hold on. Ah, the Mamel, the Mamel, and the Nakoba. Yeboba. Ah, so the Mamel and Nakuba, Tanitan, the Nakuba Tantanda, Dalling at the Trinity Quarter. Little order needs to swear. Did the Right, I know, I know, face to face, face to face is fun. Yeah. Ah, yes, face to face. Yeah. All right, colleagues, so we'll see you later. Okay, okay. okay.